our lives are dictated by Levi's feeding schedule, so I apologize for our, our tardiness. He is still, too, um, not holding down his food, so this morning he decided to let some of that go and share it with us again. This morning, um, you're going to have two handouts, and they're both very long, because this is I want this to be a reference guide for any future dealings that you might have with this particular subject. So um, last week, or maybe it was the week before, I spoke on the fivefold, and, and I talked about how the fivefold in our lives is super important, something that we should be engaging with regularly. Today, what I wanted to do was share with you ways in which Jesus exemplified the fivefold because I think it's important for us to recognize that Jesus obviously our um, guide in life our, our master if you will is is someone to be followed and as he begins to or as he lived his life we should live our life and so you may get to the point uh, where someone even questions, you know, well, is this something that Jesus did? And the answer is, well, absolutely. Jesus lived a fivefold life. He he communicated a fivefold life, and and we're going to see that here. Uh, whenever these handouts decide they want to print off the printer, um, but then the second handout is as I was thinking about the fivefold, I I recognize that a lot of people don't know what office they they truly work through. And so the second handout is my attempt to gather questions that will lead a person to understand their particular office. So the way that this, this thing is laid out, um, and, and this is a work in progress, it is not final in any way. I need to look through the questions, refine some of them, move things around, etc. But the way that it works is there, there is a question, question number one. And it asks a series of, uh, or it says a series of statements, and then those statements are, are taken from you to be said, yes, this is me, right? So if you've ever taken a personality quiz or anything like that, it's very similar to it. Um, and then at the end, what you do is you calculate the score in that particular column, and then that high score tells you this is what office you tend to lean towards. Now, these, the way that this is designed is you can choose every single one of those answers if they all fit you you probably don't want to do that you want to be a little bit more discerning about which one fits you in that particular question however um, there's there's some that yeah this is totally me but this one is also totally me so I didn't want to exclude the concept that you may be feeling two offices at that time for that particular question um, and then so you'll just calculate it that way and then we'll see so you're gonna get that sheet here again in a minute when this thing decides to print. The reason I wanted to give it to you now, I don't want you to fill it out now, that would take too long, uh, and we're not necessarily gonna discuss it, but I do want you to have it as a reference because as we start looking at what Jesus exemplified for us in his life, you're gonna see on that sheet um, questions that you're gonna have to ask yourself, is this, is this truly me? And there are times when you look at a question and, and you think, you know, this one, this one I felt a while back, or I've done this a long time ago, but, but I don't, really don't feel that way anymore, and that's okay. 
or or there are maybe times where I, I've never felt that way before, but I'm feeling led towards something like that, and that's okay as well. That that's the kind of thing that you should be thinking through as we talk about the life of Jesus. So we're going to start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, love to read it again. We're going to read Ephesians 4 as well. Uh, but we all know it, right? It's the fivefold ministry. You are the body of Christ, members in particular, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers, and, and to me this is the important part here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. So, so we know the fivefold ministry. It's it's right there in the Word. We have heard it many, many times. Um, I again, you're going to get the sheet at some point. As a reference point, I put in some of the Greek uh, in here so that you could see what those words meant. I I spoke on them last week or a week. I can't even remember when it was, but I spoke on it a couple of weeks ago. And so, if you have that sheet and you have this one, you're going to see. A lot of similarities between the two. Yes. That's a that's a great question. I I don't think it's too personal for me to do that. I I probably I was not planning on doing anything like that. Um, but when you look at the questions, you're going to see yourself in them. So so reserve that question for when you get the handout. And then if you have that same question on it, um, then we can absolutely go through some of them together. That's a great question. Um, and, and speaking of the handout, the intent is to eventually, I, I don't know if it's, if it's the right term, but there's a, it's a, I think it's called a spider diagram. Have you seen this? It's, it's basically with the fivefold, it would be a, a, a pentagon. But when you look at it, it shows um, a center point and then branching out from there are all of your data points. So of course there's five data points here, one for each of the offices, and then as those data points start to expand, out of the middle you'll see kind of where your uh, office lies. So what you're probably getting right now is the handout, the sheet, the teaching sheet, and what you'll get here in a few minutes is the actual quote-unquote quiz. And let me do this before we go to for as well. There is a difference between uh, an office and an implementation of the fivefold, or an execution, maybe I should say. Jesus, I believe, lived the fivefold because that's the way that God thinks, and so He was living this constantly in His life. What you're going to see as we go through Scripture in this handout, um, in the short remaining time that we have is him living the fivefold and, and we're going to talk about these. In, in fact I may not read all of the scriptures but I wanted you to have them and in fact I also redacted I don't want to say that's a bad word uh, but I also took away some of the scriptures um, where I felt that they were being a little too verbose in what they were saying so that we could get to the meat of the actual word so I will reference the entire passage at times um, but but on the sheet is only a portion of that passage. So just so you know, there are parts of passages missing in some circumstances. He has an opinion on that. He didn't like it. Um, so what you should have in front of you now, and, and for those of you who are listening to this online, 
We're going to get both of these sheets up there for you to download and, and to consume. The intent, again, is for uh, us to refine this quiz and, and to take a look at it from a um, even more spiritual perspective because it, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say worldly, but, but it has a little bit more of you know how you treat other people kind of thing. I want to add a little bit more of a spiritual element, element to it as well. I want to add some more questions at the end that are very specific to each office, whereas you see the ones you have in front of you are select all that apply. Others I want only select one to kind of refine it a little bit more. At the end of all this, uh, you'll have a score, and the biggest score is obviously the office that you reside in. It should be taken with a grain of salt. It, it is not perfect, obviously, and, and you need to be praying about what this really means for you uh, don't take this and say well pastor fabian said i'm an apostle because of the questions that i answered that's that's not what we're saying here the the intent of the quiz is to lead you down a path of self introspection to say what am i and and those questions should kind of gear you towards understanding this is where i tend to fall when it comes to the fivefold ministry it does not mean that you cannot operate in all of the fivefold, just as we're about to see Jesus did on the teaching sheet. Okay, so Jesus lived again a fivefold life. I believe that all of us should live a fivefold life. That every single one of us should function in these offices. So, so the question then becomes, why don't we function in all the offices? And I would argue that it's because we live in a divided world. In within ourselves we live a spiritual world and then we live a carnal physical world we have jobs we have families we have all of these things that distract us from being the the fullest person spiritual person that we can be and and that's not necessarily a bad thing I believe that God put families and jobs and all these other things in our lives to to refine us even more and Jesus didn't have to necessarily think about all that his his entire Life. His goal was to live the life that God wanted him to live. And that's it. So you don't see Jesus saying, hey, I've got to go to work real quick because, you know, they, they called me in for an extra shift. You don't see Jesus doing that. Um, you see Jesus saying things like, look, the, the birds of the air are, are taken care of food-wise. God's going to take care of me as well. So he wasn't worried about those things. He wasn't worried about his physical body. He was worried about his spiritual acumen. And I think that's the main difference between us and Jesus, right? I don't think I could fast. You can tell, right? I don't think I could fast for 40 days uh, because I would definitely be tempted. I'd be like, stones, bread, now. I, Jesus wasn't that way. Um, so when we see Jesus in his fivefold life, this is definitely something that we should be aspiring to, something that, that may be, I don't want to say unattainable, but, but something that will be difficult to live, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive for the perfection that God has for us. And that is truly what the fivefold is, perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, and the edifying of the body of Christ, right? Ephesians 4, 11. So that being said, let's go very quickly through the teaching sheet because based on what you said, I, I do want to go over it a little bit so you can kind of see some of these questions and how they, how they, how they land. But we're going to start here with the apostle. What we see in the life of Jesus from an apostolic perspective, um, and, and you, you would have to read through his life, which is something that I did a little bit for this. But as you read through his life, you see his apostolic nature come out in everything that he did when it comes to pushing the agenda 
of God pushing the envelope of how the Hebrews, the Jews, thought of their walk with God. And I think that's exemplified the most when you look at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are his sermon to the people saying, here is how you should be living your life. This is the type of thing that you should be. So when we think about the apostolic, you'll, you'll see under the heading there, it's who you are and who I, God, am. This is exemplified here, I believe, through the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and, say, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is an interesting message coming from Jesus to, to people who are more than likely poor and destitute, who are probably already meek, um, who are struggling with life, who are, who are battling the institution of religion, who are battling, quote-unquote, the man, the government, all these things that they feel are, are oppressing them. Here is a sermon from Jesus who says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. Already, he's, he's identifying those that um, are in this place and saying, yours is the kingdom of heaven. If, if you continue to live this life of being poor in spirit, the kingdom is yours. And what, what does that really mean? We can do a whole sermon about the Beatitudes. We can't right now. But you could do a whole sermon about the Beatitudes and what each and every single one of these mean. When you think about them as a whole, look at the context from Richard's standing and, and saying, these are the things that you should be exemplifying in your life. And it's not the things that were being exemplified in the life of the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, etc. These are people who were very religious at the time, who were very stout in their belief of, of in one way or another, that, that did not really allow themselves to be open in spirit, and they were closed off to what God was trying to do. And so when he says poor in spirit what does that really mean well when you're poor you don't have anything right when you're poor you're, you're struggling day in and day out to get what you believe you should be having when you're poor you you are scrambling you're fighting for what's around you and and i think that's really what jesus was trying to exemplify here if you believe you are rich in spirit you stop you get comfortable you get to a place where I don't need any more because I've got what I, I, I have enough. And, and when it's not that, it's then coming from a place of greed. I need more. I have to have more. And that greed causes you to do things, um, this is a bad term as well, unlawfully, if you will, right? Not, not in the right way, not morally. You're going out there getting things uh, out of lust and greed and not out of really striving for perfection. So, so poor in spirit are people, Jesus was saying, people who are striving and looking for the next thing that God wants for them. And, and so 
these people were poor in money, but he was also saying if you're poor in spirit, if you're fighting for and grabbing for all those things that God wants for you, that's when you get the kingdom of heaven. That's when the kingdom of heaven is yours because you are constantly looking for the things that God has for you. These people resonated with that because, A, they were poor in money, but then they thought, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm, I'm poor in spirit as well, but that means I'm in the right place. That means I'm coming from a place of humility, of not having enough and striving for what God wants for me. I'm already starting to preach on, on the Beatitudes now. We've got to move forward. But they that mourn, the meek, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Look at the pattern here. These are all what we would think of as, as not necessarily great things. The meek, those that mourn. If you're mourning, that means that you're, you're, you're sad about something. You've lost something. If you're hunger and thirst after righteousness, that means you don't have enough righteousness. All these things are about coming from a place of, of want and lack. But it's a want and lack for the Lord. Basically what the Lord was saying is want the Lord. You lack the Lord. Keep striving after him. And once you do that, you're going to get that reward. So the Beatitudes were, I think, his most apostolic message. When Jesus is, is moving through the area, when he's talking to people, when he's working with people, what he does is he settles down and he says, this is how I want you to think from now on. Then what we get, and, and we're not going to read all of them, obviously, but I wanted you to have them as a reference. In the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, it goes into 6 and 7, but I wanted to focus on 5. When you look at the Beatitudes, here's what he says in each of these areas. The salt of the earth, the light of the world, righteousness. He talks about anger and forgiveness. Adultery, divorce, swearing and oaths, retaliation, you know, that eye for an eye thing. Love your enemies. Look at just the, the, the words here to the right of the passages, because this is what the passage is talking about. But when you look at the, to the words at the right of the passage, what is it really talking about? It's talking about being a better you. Being a better Jew, really, for, for those back then. But, but these are people who lived under the law think about that the pharisees the sadducees all these people were living in a place where the law was telling them how to be and and they they jumped on that because it was very black and white it was very easy to see this is what i need to be doing this is what i shouldn't be doing what they didn't account for is all the nuance of this world all the things that they had to think about when it came to loving people and so what Jesus tries to apostolically help them to understand is you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You need to be better than what you're being. That's really the apostolic message in the Beatitudes. Let's keep going. Prophet. So we know the prophet communicates the desires of God. This is how I want you to be, right? We know there are several times when Jesus was being prophetic and there's a difference between the office of the prophet and the unction of the prophet that's a good word for it there there is many times when you have the unction to perform in one of the fivefold offices um, but it's not your office necessarily we see jesus performing the office of the prophet in a few scriptures but i've highlighted two here one of them is matthew 13 53 and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed, and, he, and when he was come into his own country, 
he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said whence has this man this wisdom and this mighty works is not this the carpenter's son is not his mother called mary and his brethren james and joseph and simon and judas and his sisters are they not all with us whence then hath this man all these things and they were offended in him but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief obviously you see the word prophet in here right obviously you think okay well it has the word prophet in there so it means he was functioning the prophet but very true but let's look at the underlying grammar of what's going on in this passage why why are they so offended by jesus in this situation what is jesus doing that is so offensive to these people i would argue that beyond the mighty works this is why he couldn't do the mighty works but beyond the mighty works he was preaching and teaching and when he was preaching and teaching what was he saying he was not calling down fire and brimstone to sinners what he was saying i mean yes that is true but what what he was saying was you're not being the people that god has called you to be that's the prophetic voice that's coming out from him god has called you to be something higher that you should be attaining that you are not the prophetic voice from god through jesus was be better and that is why they were offended that they couldn't stomach because in their minds, oh, buddy, in their minds, they're thinking, I'm already a good person, a good Christian, a good Jew, whatever. I'm, I'm already helping the poor by giving, you know, my, my money in, into certain programs. I'm already giving a portion of my tithe. I don't tithe maybe all the time, but I do tithe when I'm supposed to tithe. I do come in and give my, my alms and, and my sacrifices and all those things. I do what is required of me. And, and Jesus when he goes into the temple, when he goes into the synagogue and he starts to preach, he begins to preach some hard messages to these people. And, and they, they push back. And, and as a prophet, yes, the word is in there, but that prophetic voice saying, you are not doing what God has called you to do, is what offends them. And there's a great example for us here in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 20, then began he, Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not woe unto thee Chorazin woe unto thee Bethsaida for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes dot 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 there's a lot of stuff in there I'm skipping it come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light that is the voice of the prophet we see this in the old testament when when he is calling out david and saying you are the one that i was basically saying that story about remember that story he says hey david there's a guy and and he took a sheep that didn't belong to him um and and he started to pretend that it was his own and then david says that's that's awful Who, who's doing that we need to we need to get this guy and Nathan says, that's you. You're the one that's doing this. You are the one that's, that's taking something that's not yours. And then David begins to repent, right? This is the exact same thing. This is the prophetic voice coming out from Jesus saying, Chorazin, Bethsaida, you are doing bad things. Get right with God. 
This is why they were offended. They didn't like it because he's calling them out. So again, you see the prophetic nature of Jesus coming out. Now, is is the prophetic always bad? When you think about prophetic presbytery, are you always telling people you're doing bad things? No, I mean, that's that's not what it's about. Um, but what we have to understand about the office of the prophet is the office of the prophet is supposed to stretch you. It's supposed to take you, not, not the prophet himself, but the person they're speaking to, is give them a new perspective and help them to see that that either they're going in the right direction or they're going in the wrong direction so so the prophet is essentially a signpost saying go left or go right but but you're not supposed to stay here in the middle or or stay in the middle because you're veering off to the left and the right a great example of that here in the natural is um steve wozniak and and steve jobs You've heard these names, I'm assuming, right? The, the founders of Apple. What Steve Jobs did for the technology industry was apostolic in nature. He was not the engineer. He, he may have written a little bit of code. He was smart enough to understand the inner workings of the computer, but he's not the one that built the first computer. I, I hope everybody understands and knows that. If you haven't, there's, there's tons of movies about him and his life that you'll get to see. He's not the creator of these things Steve Wozniak was the creator he's the one that invented that first computer what Steve Jobs did was apostolically say this thing is amazing and we need to take it to the people we need to take it to the next level and and he revolutionized the technology industry by constantly innovating new ideas he's not the one that created the ideas he's the one that had the ideas so he said, I want to put a thousand songs in your pocket. You, when you think about the way that Apple advertises, Apple doesn't tell you what the product does. Apple tells you what the product could do for you. And there's a difference. Apple doesn't say, hey, we have 100 gigabytes of storage in this little thing, and, and you're going to be able to have a whole bunch of data in your pocket. Well, okay, this thing over here has 102 gigabytes of data. Isn't that one better? What Steve Jobs did in his marketing campaigns, it was not he didn't say this product does this. What he said is this is what this product could do for you. This is how this product is going to make your life even better. Do you like music? Well, I can put a thousand songs in your pocket. Well, that's amazing. Let me get those thousand songs then. That's what Steve Jobs did for all of his industry, for Apple and continue to innovate in that way, saying this is how this product is going to make your life easier, better. That's why you have uh, people who are Apple fans that are diehard. Is an Apple computer great? I mean, I have one right here. I love my Apple computer. This computer is not necessarily cutting edge. I mean, it's, it's six, seven years old, so obviously it's not cutting edge. But even at the time, there was probably a faster computer that I could have gotten through HP or Dell or Samsung or whomever. There was probably a better memory storage, better capacity, all these things. What, what Apple provided was simplicity, ease of use, and it gave us a marketing campaign that said, here for you. When you think about the apostolic and the prophetic, the prophet takes these things that God is saying and, it's, and it says, go this way. This is where God wants you to go. And the apostolic is the one that is leading that charge to go that direction. So you see this dynamic in, in a lot of different areas. 
Um, I read a book the other day that had examples of this where Steve and, and, and Steve were one of them. Uh, the, the founders of, of Southwest Airlines were one of them. All these great companies that really moved and shook their, their particular industries always had a, a, an essentially an evangelist prophet and an apostle leading that charge. And that evangelist prophet is the one that pushed the apostolic forward. They were the idea guy, but the implementation of that came from somebody else. So when you think about the prophetic, that's your implementation. That is your pushing and driving for the things that God wants you to have. So we're going to see this here in a second, but let's go through the teacher. Teacher communicates the laws of God, integrating belief and practice. Mark chapter 1, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Um, this is a very truncated version of what is found in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 when it talks about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and you all know the story it's here for your reference um, I wanted to have it in here because it's a great example of Jesus using scripture to combat the enemy so when when the enemy comes against him he says turn these stones into bread Jesus comes back at his at him with scripture man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God right so three times he's tempted and three times he re re replies back with scripture i think that's super important that's where we see jesus putting into practice those things that he knows from the law of god here's another one mark chapter 1 verse 21 and they went into capernaum and straightway on the sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes so really short here in this section but but it's very easy to see in the life of jesus that he was constantly teaching others. We see this with his disciples, right? He's, he's taking his disciples and he's teaching them what they should do. He's, he's doing and then he's teaching. So he goes, he heals somebody or, or he talks to somebody um, and does something. And immediately after, he goes and he talks to his disciples and says, okay, what's going on here, guys? What, what, what just happened? What are we doing uh, to... To show that this is the kingdom of God. And I, I believe that he sat with his disciples and they had conversation about what just happened. The miracle, the healing, all those things. I believe he had these conversations with them because he was constantly teaching them. So here's a, just a scripture exemplifying that. He went in on the Sabbath and he entered the synagogue and he taught. Jesus knew the scripture. This is beautiful because you don't see him getting a three-point sermon, you know, last week and putting it together and practicing it and, and doing all the things that needed to be done. He didn't have his notes. He didn't pull out his iPad and start scrolling through all the sermons that he'd done before. He walked into the synagogue and he began to teach. This is a lifestyle of learning. And I would submit to you that we should have a lifestyle of learning, especially when it comes to uh, the scripture. That's what I love so much about this church is, is the, the fact that we are constantly looking into the scripture and saying, what is God saying to us? We, we see things happen in the spiritual. We see miracles. We see signs and wonders. We see God moving in various ways. But then what do we do? We turn around and look in scripture and say, this is what happened or this is what's happening out there uh, in, in the natural because of the spiritual. We should be living 
a lifestyle of teaching. So when you think about the office of the teacher, the office of the teacher, and many of you are teachers here or have been teachers, but when you think about the office of the teacher, it's somebody who constantly learning, constantly growing. Uh, he wants to be part of the sermon. Constantly learning and growing, um, constantly looking at their life and evaluating it and evaluating the life of others in order to integrate this concept of here's what I believe, now let me go and practice it. So a teacher goes and says, this is how you go and implement it into your life. So that, that prophet and that teacher come together and they push forth that apostle. We've heard that before. Let's talk about now the pastor. The pastor communicates the provision of God. He's going to provide for you. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So you can see a little bit of the evangelistic here. There's, there's, some, there's some people out there that need us. But really, this aligns with the pastor as he begins to think through the, the shepherding that he has to do with all these people. How are we going to take care of all of these people? Another one, Matthew 4. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Again, loving the people. John chapter 6 after these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased and Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples the Passover of the feast a feast of the Jews was nigh when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming unto him he said unto Philip whence shall we buy bread that these may eat and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, there's the teacher part, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Simon Peter's brother, said, Andrew, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? I, I love this story. And you know, hopefully you know what story it is. It's the feeding of the 5,000. But, but I love this story because it, it's got really the entire nature of, of God and Jesus here in, in this one story. You see the, the apostolic, him moving and, and trying to direct people. The prophetic, showing them the life that they should be leaving, living. The, the teacher, him teaching from the mountain. Him teaching his disciples. You see the pastor here. Um, well, we'll talk about the pastor in a minute. We'll see the evangelist there telling the people, hey, you can be saved, you can be saved. But, but the pastor, the one we're really exemplifying here in this passage, is him, yes, through teaching, but him nurturing his disciples to help them understand how they should be thinking. Him providing for the people food, sustenance, right? Yes, it's a miracle. Yes, it could be evangelistic. But him looking at the people saying, these, these, are, these are sheep without a shepherd. These are people who are hungry. These are people who are lacking these are people who need me to take care of them. And so this is that this passage is really talking about his pastoral gift, looking at the landscape of what's out there and saying, how can I help? So bringing it all back together. When you think about the office of the pastor, the office of the pastor more than likely includes 
other unctions or offices within it. There are many pastors who are apostles. We have one. We have many pastors who are prophets. I've, I've seen many examples of that, especially in the pneumatocostal type church, right? Pastors who are prophets. Uh, we see that many pastors are teachers. For a very long time, we mostly had pastors who were evangelists, who had started a church because they were an evangelist, and, and they were preaching and teaching sin and repentance and forgiveness and all this, and, and they gathered a following, and then what they do, they became pastors of a church. Those churches tend to be ones where you have a lot of uh, turnover, a lot of people coming in, some people going out, because that message tends to stay the same, right? Sin, forgiveness, repentance, sin, forgiveness, repentance, right? All of that tends to stay the same, so that pastor tends to maybe have a large gathering of people, but you'll see people coming in and out because they get one flat message. But they're still a pastor. They're still working towards nurturing the people. Then you've got the pastor who tends to be a, a prophet, and, and the pastor who tends to be a prophet, you'll get a lot of uh, direction from them. Here's what you need to be doing. Here's what you need to be doing. Here's what you need to be doing. And, and so, uh, look, none of these are bad, right? If you're a pastor evangelist, God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm just trying to point out the differences between them. So the pastor prophet tends to be someone who is constantly calling out and saying, here's, here's the direction that God wants to go. They are not necessarily pushing that direction, though. They're not necessarily going that direction themselves. They're just calling out what they see from God. And then the, you get the other one, the, the thanks, buddy, that you get the uh, pastor apostle who, who tends to say, here's the direction that God wants us to go. It's a new way. It's a different way of thinking. And, and much like our church, you'll see that, that it is hard to navigate in that realm because you're going to get a lot of people who are either offended or who get lost in, in knowing what to do unless they are very secure in their office they don't know how to treat the office of the apostle. So think about, again, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Wozniak knew how to build a computer. Steve Jobs knew how to take this thing to the next level. But if Steve didn't have Wozniak, he wouldn't have anything. He didn't build the thing. If, if Wozniak had said, no, 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 wait, I, I built this for my mom. It's not for you. You can't have it, right? Then, then Jobs would have been like, okay, well, then I've got nothing to, to market. I've got nothing to sell. I see the potential in this thing, but I don't know where. I can't build my own computer, so I guess I'm stuck, right? And I'm not saying that apostles are stuck if they don't have someone supporting them. What I'm saying is that, that this office tends to say, look, the future is here. And, and right now, Wozniak, you're here. We can take this to the next level. It takes both of them to usher that thing forth and so when you think about the apostle the apostle can say to the people people god wants us interceding god wants us praying god wants us reading our bible in a deeper way greek hebrew all those things that we did very early on god wants us speaking in diverse tongues but if the people don't speak in diverse tongues what's the apostle going to do you can't force somebody to speak in tongues you can't force them to read their bible you can encourage them now a good apostle i think we have a good one but a good apostle is, is good at encouraging people, is seeing that next level. And that's why you have apostles who are pastors who understand how to nurture. And then you have, and, and this is amazing and incredible, very rare, but then you have pastors 
apostles who function really in, in the totality of the fivefold. I mean, isn't that what God wants all of us to do? Absolutely. But there are people who are better equipped for that. Uh, I feel personally that I am equipped to do all of them. I, I believe I can evangelize. I've done it. Pastor, pro, all of those things. I believe that I am learning from the best at that. Um, and I'm not just trying to butter up our pastor, but, but I, I believe it's true. I believe that's why we're here is we have an apostle who functions in this fivefold, and that's why God is taking us to these depths because it's someone who understands the nuance of all the things that have to happen, and he supports the prophetic. He supports the evangelistic. He pastors the people. He, he teaches from the word and, and takes us evangelistically to the places that we need to go, which is, which is the next one here we'll talk about. So when you think about the pastor, I believe the pastor is, is that support system. And so think about yourself, your own life. That support system that ushers up other things, that bolsters those other things to a new place. So you may function in, in a couple of these, but the pastor is the one that drives that thing forward. So the evangelist, we're almost out of time here, communicates the love of God. So we see this. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around. Because you know the story and the whole reference is here for you to look at, um, even though it's been, like I said, redacted. Jesus came to Samaria. He was weary in his journey, and he sat on a well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then came a woman, verse 7, of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said, give me something to drink. The woman said, how is it that you're a Jew and you're asking uh, some drink from me who am a Samaritan? For the Jews and the Samaritans don't deal with each other. He said, if you knew the gift of God that was sitting right here in front of you, give me to drink, you would have asked him or me, and I would have given you living water. And she said, you don't have any bucket or anything to draw. Where are you going to get this living water from? And he said, whosoever drinks from this well will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I'm giving is never going to thirst. And the woman said, give me that water then. I'm not, I'm, I'm so that I'm not thirsty anymore. Neither come to draw. Verse 16. Jesus said unto her, go call your husband and come hither. The woman said, I have no husband. And he said, you're right. You don't have a husband, and the five guys before him were not your husband either. So um, she says, I think you're a prophet. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. Verse 25, at the end of the page here. I know the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that am talking to you, I that speak unto thee, am he. Why is this under the evangelist? The word prophet is right there. I tricked you earlier when I said, um, see, the word prophet made it very easy for us to see. This one's not so easy because you can think, oh, well, he's being prophetic here. The truth is, yes, it's a prophetic voice, but he's actually using one of the gifts of the Spirit, which is the word of knowledge. So he's seeing into her life using the gift of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, and he says, you have had more than five husbands, or you, you've had more than five partners, and not a, none of them were your husband. What he was truly being was evangelistic. How? He was saying the good news of God. You can be saved. You can have eternal life. You can drink from my well and live forever, a.k.a. you'll never thirst again. So truly the office that Jesus is functioning in here is the evangelistic. Is he using the prophetic? Yes. But, but 
and the pastoral really but the office that he's functioning in is the evangelistic because he is pushing the agenda of forgiveness and repentance and coming to be right with the Lord. Verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. And he said, look, I've, I've got meat. I, I've, I've got meat you know not of. I'm, I'm fulfilled in a different way. And, and his disciples started to argue, wait, did you, give, did you give him food? Did you give him food? I didn't give him food. And, and he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there, there are four months and then the harvest. So now you see the evangelistic here. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There are people out there that need our message. So stop thinking, Jesus is going to teach me um, for the next year, and I'm going to be a disciple or an intern under Jesus for the next year, and then he's going to set me loose, and I'm going to be able to have my own church or or mission or whatever you want to call it. And he says, stop thinking that way. Now is the time to save the people. Now is the time to go and evangelize. And then verse 39, a lot of Samaritans came over. They talked with him, and they said, we believe him now, not just because you said it, woman, but because we've seen it with our own eyes. And, and many believed, verse 41, many more believed because of his own word, because Jesus was preaching and teaching these people. So this is truly the evangelistic. Mark 13, take heed for yourselves that you shall deliver up you up to councils and the synagogues. You shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations, but that when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak. Neither do you premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye that's the evangelist for it is not you that speaks but the holy ghost now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved that this is to me the most evangelistic message lifestyle that jesus was living don't worry about tomorrow Worry about what God wants for you right now. Worry about what God is doing in, in this place. Look out at the landscape. What does it require? It requires the teacher. It requires for you to know scripture. It requires for you to understand that spiritual acumen that comes from the prophetic. It requires you to have that pastoral thought of, well, I love people. I want them to be saved. If you don't care about people, then you're not going to care if they're saved or not. So, so when you think about the evangelist, the evangelist, yes, it's the fiery preacher, you know, sin, fire, brimstone, forgiveness, repent, all that stuff. Yes. But, but beyond that, it is the culmination of the fivefold and in an implementation that pushes the agenda of God. So when you think about the apostle, it's the here's where we need to go. And the evangelist is let's get there. This is everything that we have to do to get where we're going. There are action people. There are people who make it happen. Steve Jobs needed action people. He needed people to say, this is how, this is the best way to do it, but you're the one that's actually going to go and do it. And they had that, and a guy named, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Johnny Ive or something like that. He was their design guy. He's the one that made it look really pretty. And those three guys together are really, in my opinion, what propelled Apple to what it is today. I believe that it is now flailing about, um, but because of the leadership they're under now, 
Steve was just an amazing type of individual that could, that could get his vision and make it plain and help people understand a new way of thinking. Wozniak was the one that created it, and then Johnny was the one that said, this is the way that it's going to look. He was the evangelist of the group, and he made it 10 times better to look at than, than anybody else could have. So when you think about, let's go to the sheet now. When you look about at this thing and fill it out, what you're going to do is you're going to say, uh, we'll start with number one, right? Um, I often, or I am often, taking risks. So you can put I am often, or I tend to, or it is me that is taking risks, helps other people become clear on what they should do, shares my experience with others, brings others together, or takes complex concepts and explains them to others. When you look at those five statements, what you have to answer for yourself is which one of these do I resonate with the most? Uh, for me, I could see number one, uh, for question number one, taking risks, I would probably put a little mark there. Um, I would probably do a, a tick on number two here. I would probably put a tick on number four, bringing others together, and number five. Do I like sharing my experiences with others? Not necessarily. I really don't. I'm not the kind of person that likes to share personal things about myself, unless it's during a sermon, then I love to talk about my kids and family. But, but when it comes to truly private, personal things, I, I don't tend to share those things with others. I do, no, I would, I would not do a, a take under bringing others together. I, I, not that I'm against that or anything, I, I just don't tend to say, hey, you and you should talk. I think you guys would be really good conversationalists together. Or you guys have the same personality. You guys should probably get to, I'm not that way, so I wouldn't put a take under bringing others together. Um, some of you might. Yes. 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 Apostle, and if you want to write it there at the top, uh, thank you for bringing that up. Apostle would be the first one. Um, prophet would be the next one. The evangelist would be the third one. The pastor would be the fourth one. And the teacher would be the last one. So when you calculate all these, whichever number is the highest, it, it is not your office. It is something for you to consider as this is my tendency towards. And it may very well be your office. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, but this is a guide, not a dictation. Everybody understands that, right? Yes. I've done all of these, yes. Right. You can be honest with yourself. No one else is going to see this. Um, I'm going to reiterate it for those who didn't hear and they're listening to this on the thing. Um, you're going to look at these, be honest with yourself, and, and select the one that you really resonate the most with. Yes, there are some that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done that before. Those are not the ones that you are putting a tick under or a mark or whatever you want to call it or circling, as Pastor said. You are circling. You can circle more than one. Don't be limited, but you're, you're circling the ones that you know, yeah, this is absolutely me. If you don't like taking risk or you're risk-averse, then obviously number one is not right for you. But don't also don't let the 
you feel you're an apostle, so you should probably really evaluate, do I like taking risks? Well, yeah, sure, I'll take risks. That's not the point here. Do the ones that you know resonate with you the most and then see what the score comes out to. This is not, again, a perfect system. You may find that, that you lean more towards the prophetic when you thought you leaned more towards the evangelistic, and that's okay. Then you can just start to pray and evaluate your life and say, why, why do these statements necessarily resonate with me the most? It's probably because Pastor Fabian was wrong, and that's okay too. Good questions, though. Great statements. Anybody else? Comments? Thoughts? I took many uh, personality type ones where you answered similar type questions and then it leads you towards are you an introvert, extrovert, that kind of thing. Um, but, but create one, no. This is, this is really the first one that I've compiled together that I thought. Yeah, absolutely. 
yes. The beauty, before you continue though, the beauty of length is data points. The more data you have, the more refined you can be. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yes. Absolutely. That would help lengthen it, yes, absolutely, completely agree. And, and to that point, I, I think there, there's two things we need to consider is number one, this is for you. Do it, don't do it, I really don't care. I mean, I care, I, I love you, but it's up to you whether you want to engage in this activity. Uh, it was not meant to be a, everybody's gonna turn these in and we're gonna evaluate them. So this is just for you. But, but secondly, I, I invite your conversation. So if you do it and you want to talk about it, I would love to have a conversation about it with you. If you do it and you disagree with some of the statements being in that particular office, I would also love that refinement. So take it, mark it up. If you think, you know, I feel like this one fits a little bit more in the apostolic or pastoral, whatever, let's talk about that because this was a completely first draft. And, and I value your opinion here at this church, well, in the Saints Network as well, but but I value your opinion to refine this, to really make it a tool, as you're saying, for us to help others who really don't know who they are or what they do or what they want to do. This is, this is a guide. Again, it's not, it doesn't say you are. It guides you into what you could be and, and the thought process you might have. So mark it up. If you want to say, here's where I think we could refine it more. If you have more questions, more topics that we could add to this thing, let me know and let's, let's make this the best thing that it can be. Sure. First one is the apostle. Uh, the second one was uh, prophet. The third one was the evangelist. The fourth one uh, in the columns is the pastor, and the last one is teacher. I probably should have put them in the order of what's found in the Bible, but I was just throwing things together, so there you have it. I, I hope to one day, once it's really refined, digitize it, put it on a computer, and then you can go online and kind of fill it out, and at the very end it'll say, you're a prophet. Yes, that's a, that's a great point. And, and I didn't want to put them on there, but since I may never see this thing again, I think it's good that you all have them. Yeah. <coughs> To me, the, the trigger was last week's or the previous week's sermon when I spoke in the sanctuary, when I talked about how um, you should be functioning in the fivefold ministry, right? Pastor, we, we've been talking about the fivefold for the last few months. I mean, Pastor said, we need to bring this back. And, and so as I was praying about it, I was like, well, I want to talk about it too. And, and what I wanted to talk about specifically was, well, what does it mean for you in your life and how should you be functioning using scripture to kind of say, this is what you should be doing. And then I knew I was going to do a, this is how Jesus did it today in Sunday school, because I knew he was teaching, right? But, but in between there, I thought it would be great for those who, who have heard my message, my Sunday message, and didn't understand kind of, well, what am I? I don't know what to do. It, 
they had a guide to say, here's how you should be leaning. And so in between that sermon and this one is where I kind of started collecting these questions. I'm glad you like it. It's encouraging. Okay. <laughs> and then, look, there's a lot more, I think. I, I would have loved to... I was throwing questions in here as, as they appeared, but I would love to look at them again holistically and, and say, do these, do these five statements really align with each other in, in their implementation? Um, because I don't think I did that. I, I don't think I actually said, for example, number 15, coaching and mentoring others. To me, from an apostolic perspective, that's talking about um, how you take someone to the next level in your conversation. But does question number or statement number two, questioning and challenging the status quo when it comes to no longer when it no longer makes sense, I don't think that really aligns with coaching and mentoring. I to me that was more of just a um, a statement that I put together with it. So I want to look at these again from a question perspective and say, do the do they really align? Again, looking at number 15, helping people live in peace with others. That, to me, does align with coaching and mentoring. But, but it's a different way of coaching and mentoring. Does that make sense? Explaining things in a different way to people if they're finding a concept difficult to understand. That does, to me, align with coaching and mentoring. But it's more teachy than it is apostolic. I just don't think the second one, the questioning and challenging status quo, really fit there but I, I put it in and, and I want to refine it even more so it's those types of things if, if you're looking at this and you could say you know a better statement in this particular office might have been X that would be really helpful enjoy it use it God bless you thank you for your time sorry I was late again uh, baby loves to spit but um, already. Have a great service. God bless you. Bye.